the sounds of Memphis, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, marking our 20th year of broadcast. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide, major funding for Bill Street Caravan is provided by the AutoZone Corporation. AutoZone, parts are just part of what we do. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. This week on Bill Street Caravan, we take a trip down south on Highway 61 into the heart of the Mississippi Delta and hear from country blues great Bill Abel. Songwriter, guitarist, and band leader extraordinaire John Paul Keith will also join us to guide us through another installment of the Made in Memphis series. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. This week, the Bill Street Caravan recording van is pulled up beside the stage at the Mighty Mississippi Music Fest in Greenville, Mississippi. The festival is a key part of Bridging the Blues, a two-week-long celebration of the music and culture of the Memphis and Delta region. If you've caught any of Bridging the Blues, or honestly, if you've spent any time in the region, if you've gone to any of these festivals or any of these juke joints, chances are you've heard or met Belzona, Mississippi native Bill Abel. In fact, if he wasn't on stage, he was probably the guy sitting back in the corner just listening to the music. Exactly. <laughs> Bill Abel's music and art are products of the Mississippi Delta through and through. Growing up in such a music-rich part of the country had a profound effect on Bill. When he was just a teenager, he was able to befriend many older first-generation bluesmen in Belzoni, and they taught him how to play country blues. This led to stints accompanying blues legends like Paul Wine Jones, T-Model Ford, Big George Brock, and Cadillac John Nolden. And that's no small feat. Country blues, well, it's it's a delicate music. The style may sound simple, but it is not. The space in between the notes is everything. And as Bill alludes to later in the program, making a mistake on stage with any of the aforementioned gentlemen was never a good idea. No, ma'am. Obviously, Bill persevered, though, and these days he's one of the most authentic around. Bill performs solo, he performs in a one-man band, and he still plays with Cadillac John. But... This week, we've got him in a band format, and it features Norwegian blues sensation Hans Thiesik on second guitar. Let's check it out. Here's Bill Abel, live on Bill Street here. All right, let him hear you.
do this one in remembrance of a T-Mon Ford. It's called Portable Blues. He used to love it.
Thank you all very much. I'm happy to be here with uh, Willie Archer on drums. You're listening to the Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Daniel Caravan, Harrison celebrating our 20th five. year of broadcast. Here's more from Bill Abel, live on Bill Street Caravan. We're going to try a boogie by Magic Sound. Hope it's not too early to boogie. 
to the stage of uh, uh, Mr. Perry Forrest. Thank you.
That was Bill Abel live on Bill Street Caravan. We'll be back with more from Bill, but right now we're going to turn it over to Bill Street Caravan contributor John Paul Keith. John Paul Keith is going to lead us through another installment of Made in Memphis. It's an insider's look at the stories behind some of the greatest hits in Memphis music history. Here's John Paul. Hi, this is John Paul Keith here with another installment of Made in Memphis. Every week we take a look at a hit song recorded in Memphis, which most people are unaware was recorded in Memphis. If you asked people where this week's track was cut, chances are most would guess Nashville. After all, Steve Earle's debut album title, Guitar Town, referenced Music City, where he lived and recorded. In 1986, that album launched his career and established him as another in a long line of Music Row rebels like Waylon Jennings, who lived and recorded country music in Nashville, but who styled themselves as outsiders and outlaws. Guitar Town reached number one on the country charts, but after the follow-up failed to match its success, Earl decided to take a new approach and head three hours down Interstate 40 to Ardent Studios in Memphis, Tennessee. Ardent is no stranger to this season of Made in Memphis. Started by the late John Fry in the 1960s, Ardent went on to become one of the great American recording studios, cutting artists like Big Star, ZZ Top, The Staple Singers, and R.E.M., and in more recent years, The White Stripes and Cat Power. In 1987, Earl came to Ardent with his refurbished road band, The Dukes, as well as MCA Nashville president and one-time pianist for Elvis Presley, Tony Brown. The album they made and the title track from it would go on to define Steve Earl on the minds of many, Copperhead Road. When we started making Copperhead, it was not a done deal. But it occurred to me that the only way I was gonna be able to do what I wanted to do was to get out of Nashville. Because when I was making Guitar Town, Bowen was in and out of the studio all the time. The studio belonged to him. He owned the machines. It was a rule. You had to record digitally, but he owned all of the digital machines. He owned all the Mitsubishi machines. Arden had Mitsubishi Digitals too. So the only way he could say that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, because to him, to, he always played it as a commitment to sound quality. And it was actually he owned the machines and he leased them back to the company. And so he couldn't. I, I kind of called him out and said, well, they've got 80 series Mitsubishi at Arden, too. So Tony Brown, who, who signed me, stood up to Bowen a little and came over, and we booked the time to come over here and, and record Copperhead Road over here. And it was all about getting out of Nashville and trying to get the record made without Bowen, you know. Tony made himself scarce after we got over here. He was around for some of the tracking, and then he started disappearing. Oh, I got some stuff I got to do in Nashville, and he'd go back. And uh, so it got to be me. And Hardy, we made that record. So, so Hardy was as much a producer on Copperhead Road as he was. The, the next record, he was a co-producer of record with me. He was as much a producer on, uh, it's, it says Tony Brown and Steve Earle are the producers of record on Copperhead Road. It's really Steve Earle and, and Tony Brown with Hardy. Beginning with an evocative bagpipe sound, actually played on a cheap synthesizer, Copperhead Road tells the story of a moonshiner's son from East Tennessee, John Lee Pettimore, who learns to grow marijuana while serving in the Vietnam War and afterwards converts the family bootlegging business to weed. The entire first verse is sung with not much more than mandolin and drums, but the second verse kicks in with chugging hard rock guitars, the likes of which were rarely heard from country artists of that era. In the book Fearless Heart, engineer Joe Hardy talks about how different the recording process was here. Quote, Memphis is light years from Nashville. It's a whole different way of looking at things. In Memphis, the music stands are for holding up an ashtray. Nobody uses charts. 
I used to go into work on a Monday and get off on a Thursday because people would come in all day, end quote. The looser all-night style of recording seemed to suit the edgy nature of the material and was a contrast to the more buttoned-down music row approach used on Earl's first two records. In 1988, the Copperhead Road album reached number seven on the country charts, going gold in the U.S., and the title track reached number 10 on Billboard's mainstream rock chart, Earl's biggest rock hit to date. The track's mix of Scots-Irish folk sounds with 80s hard rock and socially aware storytelling defined who Steve Earl was for many years in the public mind. And while he would go on to explore other worlds over the coming decades, the song that introduced Steve Earl to the world at large was, of course, Made in Memphis. For Beale Street Caravan, this is John Paul Keith. Thanks for listening. We want to remind our listeners you can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. You can also keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We have to take a quick break for local announcements, but stick around. There's a lot more music to come. You're listening to The Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, the Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. We're back and we're with Mississippi Delta artist Bill Abel. And I say artist quite literally. Not only is Bill a local musical treasure, but he's an accomplished painter and potter as well. And true to form, there's a unique rawness and a vividness to his work that reminds you of his music. During Bridging the Blues, I had the opportunity to sit down with Bill at the mighty Mississippi Music Festival and talk about his music. Here's what he had to say. So we are sitting here with Bill Abel at the Mighty Mississippi Music Festival in Greenville, Mississippi. How are you doing today? Doing doing good. Now, we saw you today perform with a full band, but that one-man band thing is what everybody talks about. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm uh, 52 now, and my old back won't let me do the one-man band thing so much anymore. So you made the adjustment to continue playing. Do you miss doing the one-band band thing? Uh, I do. It was fun for a while, you know. It's different. You can control your own percussion and do things in a song that you can't do with a band, you know. I mean, you can turn the beat around or slow it down the way you want to. It's unique in that, you know, but it's still a 
playing with a good drummer, you can't beat that. You know I mean, you, there's no way you can do all that with your feet. So, whenever I see one-man band performances, I always think it takes so much concentration, like patting your stomach and rubbing your head, kind of thing. It seems like it would be hard to get lost in the music. Uh, it, you know, I think anybody that plays blues can play the drums with their feet because, uh, especially the Delta blues, is based on rhythm. Uh, when I got the rhythm from playing with people, you know, then I found out I could play drums behind people. But, you know, playing the, the slow blues riff over and over until you get rhythm, rhythm. I mean, the music's based on rhythm, and it's, it's just amazing what you can do if you get rhythm, you know. I, mean, I played for a, a while without having rhythm, but uh, it took a while to get it, you know, so... <laughs> Uh, it's just amazing at the power of rhythm for musicians, you know, what you can can do. So. Now, you list as one of your mentors, Paul Wine-Jones, and Paul had a very fiery personality, and you were pretty laid back. How did y'all mix together? I... <laughs> he, uh, he did all the talking. So what do you think was the best lesson that you learned working with him that you still use on stage today? Uh, his aggressiveness on the guitar with country blues. You know, most country blues is not played aggressively. You can rock out the country blues that way, you know, like he did, and put his personality into the music that way. Just playing with him, you know, it's a, it was a challenging, you know. I mean, when I was younger, I could play a lot of the other modern blues songs. It took a long time to learn how to play with Paul correctly, you know, and uh, add to his music instead of just tagging along. But uh, the country blues is a much deeper uh, feeling, you know. And uh, so he just, uh, he let me play with him uh, for a long time before I actually figured out, was adding to it. Of course, he, he always told me and uh, other friends of mine, boy, you sure are good, you know. Of course, we sucked. You said that country blues is a lot deeper. Explain, expound on that a little bit more. Deeper in the sense of uh, the culture was African-American culture. When Paul expressed himself in that, that comes out in the music. That's a cultural aspect of blues that is uh, dying. For instance, you know, the old records that were recorded, some of the 20s, say Tommy Johnson, for instance, he was singing, he felt really bad, you know. And that's what captures people all over the world today is the old recordings because they really played how they felt and it wasn't too good, you know. The older blues allows for for the musician to express himself in a different way. We're in a modern world and we've got cell phones and the internet and, you know, everybody doesn't go to the juke joint on Saturday night. How do you still capture that and, and keep the music pure as a musician? It's just, it's different, you know, I mean, I, I, it's your culture and you grow up in it. The only thing you can do is play the style. I was fortunate growing up and playing it uh, with them, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm real good or anything, it's just a different style of music. And so John Nolan, he can play and stop playing and just such long silence in his music, you know? So I learned from him how to not play and let the blues happen, you know? But at the same time, it's not as deep as what, you know, he does still. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, I've heard so many people here they have more blues in their talking voice yeah. than some of the legendary rock singers of our day, you know. 
there is something about when you're in the Delta and you get the music of the Delta, it's it's almost like there's a sense of place that goes with it that makes it even more extraordinary. I think that's true because I moved off for a while and uh, when I came back, uh, you know, it took a little while. But uh, I know that part of our country has become people moving out of the cities and suburbs and everything, you know, so suburbs, it's hard to have a sense of place, but it's so strong here. But I, I wanted to mention today that uh, Willie Archer, he is 18 now, but he started playing with Paul Jones when he was seven, professionally. And uh, of course, Paul passed in 2005, but uh, Willie got it from Paul, you know, and, and and then I had uh, Daniel Erickson from Norway uh, playing with us. He did a great job, so I can't take all the credit. <laughs> so I, I think it's interesting, though, that, you know, you've got on stage with you this young man who was born here, you know, been around the music most of his life. And then you've got a guy who came all the way across the big ocean because the music has had such an effect on him that he's lived it and inhaled it and it's sort of taken hold. And there on that stage, y'all were all together. Yeah, it's, uh, Daniel's uh, dead serious about the music, you know, and he's celebrated over in Norway as a great blues musician and he is you know and uh he's got a feel for it he's a great slide player so i mean it's it's fun to get together with different musicians and uh just do the best you can you know and it's always a pleasure playing with uh willie he's you know i don't have to worry about if i drop my guitar it's still gonna keep <laughs> on going you know so okay well that see that was easy that wraps it up <laughs> that's perfect I love that you and Bill are literally sitting on the banks of the river in Greenville, and you can hear the wind and the barges going downstream in that interview. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Here's more from Bill Abel, live on Bill Street Caravan.
You're listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan, celebrating our 20th year of broadcast. Here's more from Bill Abel, live on Bill Street Caravan.
How about that? Can y'all hear him all right? That was Bill Abel live on Bill Street Caravan. To find out more about Bill, you can find him on Facebook. He actually has two pages, one for his music and one for his painting and pottery. The next time you find yourself in the region, ask around. I bet you can catch Bill live. Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, Arts Memphis, the Tennessee Arts Commission, Tennessee Tourism, and Bridging the Blues for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We'd like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You're just not going to find programming like this anywhere else. We want to remind our listeners that you can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use hashtag IListenToMemphis. Or keep up with us on our podcast at iTunes. Visit our website at BillStreetCaravan.com to sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can find out where the caravan's going to be next. And if you can't meet us there, we'll be back right here next week, so we'll see you then. I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. You've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. (laughs) 